Welcome, I'm Dr. Tim Murphy, and today I've got a really great guest. This is someone who I never really met except through the social media of LinkedIn. This is Dr. Miriam Mendel. Miriam is a pediatrician uh, who went to Ross University School of Medicine and Stony Brook University for her bachelor's degree in the great major of psychology, so I knew I'd like her from the start. But what I really like about her is the way she has approached medicine very differently, and she writes prolifically on a number of issues which are important. And although many of them are about adolescents and young adults, they really apply to the rest of us in terms of how we approach kids and how we should approach ourselves too. So welcome to today's show, Miriam. It's okay if I call you Miriam? Of course. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, it's great to be here. Well, thank you. So Let's talk first about how you're not the traditional pediatrician who sits in the office and checks kids for ear infections and, and the like. You do something different. Can you describe that first? Yeah, sure. Well, I did do that for some time. Currently, I am an adolescent coach, so I work with kids one-on-one -on -one in health and just life skills. And I also teach in um, education. I teach. Um, I do a lot of work with parents in school districts and um, professional development. You were saying that you were going to go see an adolescent to sit at a park and talk. So making a, mm -hmm. not quite house calls, but park calls. I like that idea. It makes it more comfortable for them yeah. to work with you. Well, I do, I do some, some younger kids. I will go to their house, but most of my adolescents, um, we do meet at the park or we'll meet at a restaurant and we will walk or walk around their house in the area. Yeah. And they've got to feel more comfortable being in that sort of environment than the the things of the office. Well, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I know some of the things that that come up that you um, that you've really written a lot about is what do we even need to know about the brain as kids develop? Because a lot of times, especially now, people think, well, they're just young adults, and they do not understand that there's a lot of things that they're very sensitive to. The brain is not fully molded or developed yet, and uh, and harm can come to them if we're not aware of that first. Can you give a little bio lesson, uh, neuroanatomy here in plain English, of what are the concerns that happens with how the brain develops from back to front and inside out in, in kids? Yeah, sure. So if you were to look at a picture of a brain and you looked um, and understood that their development starts in the back and it will go forward. So some of the parts of the brain stem and the, the, the parts that are in the back of the brain, like their limbic system and their you know, their fight or flight alerts, those are all relatively developed at a very young age. And then when they come towards the front of the brain and the inside out, so the front part and the outer part of the brain is where more of their logic and reasoning and more adult type behaviors, their um, organizational skills, their things that make them act appropriately um, in certain situations, those are all in the front and the outer part of their brain. Those things will develop last. And adolescence is, a lot of people don't realize, but adolescence doesn't really end until the mid-20s. So it's starting at around puberty. So I usually say around 12. Um, and that, you know, puberty is starting earlier and earlier. But so I figure around 12 to about, you know, 25, 26 years old is when it's, and a, a brain is considered actually, you know, as an adult mature brain. Although, you know, our brains continue to, to mold and change until we die. But that is basically when adolescence ends, around 25 or 26. So hence, all these rules about kids can't drive till they're 16, don't vote till they're 18, don't drink alcohol till they're 21, 
there's good reasons for those kind of rules that kids really cannot make a lot of good decisions yet. Right. And that's why car companies won't rent a car until a, until a child is over 25. <laughs> mm, that's right. That's right. right. So a, a lot of those effects of like, say, 20, you know, 21, um, you know, starting to drink, starting to, um, you know, vaping, marijuana, when when you're starting at when you're starting when your brain is fully developed, it's a completely different story than when your brain is not completely developed. So the risks have the risks increase for everything at you know the younger you start. So let's talk about this because this is a major reason why I wanted to talk to you. In today's world, we're seeing sure. across the country, many states have said, "Well, we're going to allow medical marijuana." and Sure. You, you and I know that a lot of physicians are out there, they'll just write a prescription. A lot of the people that I deal with who uh, may be veterans or first responders who want this, we talk mm -hmm. about, they'll get prescriptions quite easily. And then there's other states sure. where they'll have recreational marijuana. And even though you're supposed to be a certain age to get that, people can pick them that pretty easily. And I, I look upon... Um, big cannabis is like the way big tobacco was. I remember seeing ads for Camel cigarettes that more doctors smoke Camel than any other cigarettes or Lucky Strikes, it'll soothe your throat. A lot of that was basically feeding um, lies. And now we're seeing with um, big cannabis saying, oh, this is great, smoke marijuana and you'll, it'll, it'll heal these problems and cure these diseases. Can you talk about that first in terms of, are we telling people, and we'll get into things with adolescents first uh, after this, but are we telling people the wrong stories about what cannabis can do to your body and brain and your psychology? Well, I think it depends on who you're asking. Um, basically, I'm, this is talking just about vaping, but what you had just discussed about the marijuana, I mean, big tobacco is is usually the owners of these, these companies now that are selling the vaping products, and they're targeting middle schoolers to kind of make up some of the revenue that they've lost over the years, the billions of dollars that they lost in people decreasing their use in tobacco. So that's that's one thing. So they're advertising, you know, really aiming at those middle schoolers. Um, cannabis is, I don't know if it's like, it's hard, to, it's, it's hard to say, well, they're directly lying. I think that it's very, very, very misleading. You know, there's a societal, kind of a societal norm now that, cannabis, you know, and, and parents are telling this to their kids too, because they, they actually believe it. They don't really know the truth of what's going on with the product and with the teenage brain. So something like, you know, maybe that parents were smoking marijuana in the seventies is a completely different product than the marijuana that kids are getting today. So it's a lot more toxic. Um, marijuana now is known to be a neurotoxin, but when you're telling kids that their general conception is that it's legal um, in most places. It's used for, for medicine in, a, in some circumstances. Their parents really don't think it's a big deal because most of them have smoked when they were younger or some of them have smoked when they were younger. It's not, you know, it's kind of like, mom, it's just, it's just pot. Like, it's not a big deal. And that's really, that's really changed. And that is a lie. It's, it, it is a big deal when you're dealing with the, you know, the, increase of THC concentration in the product today and the developing brain. So there's been a lot, you know, there's obviously been a ton of research um, on this. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a general concept of, of something that's not true. How does it affect the adolescent young adult brain? We're saying this up to age 25. How does it affect it uh, specifically? Well, I mean, I can't get into the specifics just because it's, 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 
quite complicated, but there are CD receptors. Um, there are mar- like there are receptors for marijuana throughout the entire brain in an adolescent, and these receptors that because we have endogenous we have endogenous chemicals that that's what these are for. These cannabis receptors are for what me- meaning we make them ourselves. So we we naturally all make these ourselves, but when you're when you in, ingest somehow either by by vaping or by inhaling or by eating um, external THC, then you're messing with all the receptors that are trying to develop the brain in an in a healthy pattern. So those, for example, they when when the adolescents go go through a normal development, their brain goes through a very specific type of development, like of, of maturation. So there's a lot of something called pruning that goes on. The neurons or a lot of the synapses are cut and they're kind of fine stream, like fine tuned to what that person is going to be and do when they become an adult. And then these, all these connections need to be kind of insulated to make them much more efficient to what they're going to be doing. Like, um, like they're, the way that they're processing, the way that they're able to understand the world, to make sense of the world, to reason, to answer questions, to do math, to do cognitive skills. Like these are all being formed. And part of the job of the brain and some of the neurotransmitters in the brain is to know what needs to go and know what needs to stay and be reinforced. And marijuana interferes with those processes. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It interferes with the pruning process, and then, but there's some long-term effects that occur with this. Particularly, you write about psychosis. Can you explain uh, to folks what what happens with psychosis and use of marijuana? There, there's definitely some research that shows there is an increase in psychosis with young users, um, and I've in some studies I've read up to um, four times the amount of psychosis. But this is also complicated by the fact that during adolescence is when we're going to see a lot of these kinds of behaviors and these mental illnesses come about. So to be able to pin all of this on marijuana, I don't know if they know enough to actually say that yet, but in a lot of the preliminary studies, they have shown that people who are chronic or daily users of marijuana at a young age have a, and a family history have a much higher rate of becoming, having psychotic episodes. And I've seen this, not psychosis, but I've seen in, in some of my clients that are as young as 11, I've had episodes where that's why the parents or the child actually wanted to seek help is because they were having some hallucinations or they were having um, like extreme paranoia and the kid was scared and obviously the parents were scared and they didn't know what was going on. And then they find out that there's some withdrawal going on. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of this during um, the pandemic. Uh, you know, another big thing too, and it's such it's so prevalent nowadays, is either with vaping or with marijuana, um, kids are seeking this for anxiety. You know, they're they're using it for anxiety. But what they don't understand, and what people aren't able to really tell them, um, just because most people don't know, is that even even strains of marijuana that cause the calmness that kids are seeking and may get initially once they're once they're using it long term just like any any other external drug we put in our body our own body is going to stop making the the natural 
anti-anxiety substances that it would make, and it's going to increase the need for the external substance or the marijuana um, as, as they continue to use. So it's going to be harder and harder to seek that. And that's, again, part of developing tolerance and, and addiction, you know, which yeah. is um, quite prevalent. Yeah. I, I know in the adults I see, when they talk to me about having smoked considerable amounts of marijuana, when they were in yeah. their teens, the, the, it lingers on. I'm talking to people in their 30s and 40s. And although sure. they'll, they'll deny it, and one of the things they say is, well, it's a natural substance in the brain anyways. But you just point out something really important, and that yeah. is that it's a natural substance, but if you, if you overload it or change the development of the brain or uh, your body stops making the things it needs to be doing to deal with anxiety, where well, they may be smoking uh, to relieve symptoms of depression and anxiety, they're actually increasing the risk of depression and anxiety. At the a- same time. Absolutely. And this and, and with teenagers, it's it's a lot more relevant. It's a lot more significant. And it starts only after a year. Now, you're talking about people who have done this for many, many years. But for teens, it could start as, you know, as little as 12 months um, of chronic use, which is only considered twice a week. Chronic use is only considered twice a week. And 20% of kids of kids 16 to 24 are smoking daily. So... Yeah, they get this slow creeping anxiety and depression that comes on them. And then they're kind of stuck because if they stop, they're going to feel worse because they're already addicted. So they need to ingest more. Hmm. So it's it's um, something that these kids get, you know, they get involved in under the wrong pretenses and then they don't know how to get out and they're scared. And then they have to turn more and more to drugs. And a lot of times... There's so many crazy things going on, like with what's being said, like a lot of times kids will say, oh, you know, if you're having all these these kinds of issues, just smoke more. You'll get better. Just keep smoking more. Like they really believe that that's true. Yeah, it's just it's just a crazy it's crazy what's going on out there. Really, I mean, I've you know, I've had, um, you know, kids, like I said, kids as young as 11, not so much with I, I have older kids with problems with marijuana or that cannabis um, use disorder, but kids as young as 11 that are so addicted to nicotine and they have no idea that vaping even has nicotine in it or what it is or that it's addictive. And up to half the parents don't have any idea either. They really don't. They think they're just vaping flavors. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's awful. And, And that's what happens. Like kids think that vaping is like an anxiety relief you know, this is what I hear. Like, it's the only thing that will make me feel better. But that's because they're already addicted and they're withdrawing. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that first puff, that first inhale is going to give give them some relief from the withdrawal. So that's the only anti-anxiety that it, I mean, because nicotine is a stimulant. It's not going to cause it's not going to cause um, anxiety relief. You know, if anything, it's going to cause the opposite. So all this is making worse. So how many times does someone have to start smoking cannabis before they really start to get addicted? I believe they say that um, the number is about, it's very small. Like one of those e-pods, I don't even, I'm, I'm not sure if your audience is familiar with what it is, what an e-pod is or the vape juice that they use. Basically what happens is there's a little pod and you put it into the, um, into the vape. And it has, and it heat, and it that that liquid gets heated up, and there's nicotine, and there's about sixty different substances that are in there. But there's you know nicotine, and then what happens is it heats it up, and then some of that, you know, obviously they're inhaling all those chemicals into their lungs, 
And another thing that's getting into their lungs is the whatever the um, like the foils are that increase the heat that make that hot and burn um, to make it into the vapor. Some of those chemicals are getting into their lungs as well. So they're finding some heavy metals that are being um, ingested as well. Um, yeah, it's just not it's not a good not a good story. Um, what 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 was your original question though? I think I feel like I missed exactly well, what you were saying. It, it has to how many times would someone have to smoke marijuana before they really start oh, having yeah. an addictive so, effect? Right. So in those vape in those little vape pods, there's about 20 milligrams generally, about 20 milligrams of nicotine. And once a kid has inhaled, the, this is just what I. I, don't quote me on this, but what I remember, because I just actually did a presentation on this, I believe it will start with only five milligrams that they're actually able to start to form an addiction. So it's not very much. A couple, basically, that comes down to about a couple, like maybe four or five cigarettes. Wow. So one vape pod is equivalent to a pack of cigarettes. Hmm. So about incredible. 20 milligrams. Yeah. So you mix this all together. They tobacco use. I mean, how many kids who smoke uh, marijuana are also uh, vaping? Is it one-to-one? Is it a lot there's of an increase. No, there's an increase. Kids that, va- um, kids that vape generally will start smoking cigarettes at some point. There'll be a, a switch over to nicotine at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. What, actually, I don't know the, t- the exact numbers on that, but I know that a lot of my kids that are vaping, that start out vaping, really young kids, 11, 12, 13, that start just with, that start with the vaping of the nicotine and they get addicted to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's a natural progression for them to start with marijuana. And a lot of them have access to it. You know, my friend's brother has medical marijuana or their parents have it at home. And it's, it's just a, very seems to be a very natural progression to not, and it doesn't take long. <laughs> no. Doesn't seem to take these kids long to get their hands on some marijuana. And as you said, the parents themselves may be thinking, "Well, it's I'm taking it, and it's okay with me, so it's probably okay for them." And I suspect a lot of them right, yeah. are, are not aware. I know I'm on the board of a national organization that deals with schizophrenia and psychosis, and we were increasingly aware yeah. of the increased yeah. risk for psychosis. It, it is massive. And yeah, 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 yeah. Generally, 0.8 to 1% of the population may have uh, schizophrenia. But what's happening is okay. with marijuana use, it's going up quite a bit. So what is it, like 25 50%, 100% more in some cases, the, race, the rates? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a risk people it, need to know. Right. And it, it's, it, it, that's real. It's, it's, it's so not fair to not be telling these kids and letting them know. Um, and, you know, I mean, just like with anything that people don't want to, don't really want to know, like you're going to get kickback from it. You know, people don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's out there, you know, it's out there. And it's something that if they don't want to know, okay, that's their choice. They're an adult, but we need to educate our kids a little bit better on what's really going on with marijuana and with, with nicotine. You know, okay. it's, um, it, it's really not a joke, you know. And, and look at the, the cost. I uh, completed a study. I was lead investigator of a study a couple of years ago, and we've updated just the cost of schizophrenia in the United States. If you look at the direct mm. care for it, the um, uh, half of the cases have at least, or excuse me, 75% of the cases have another chronic disease. Half have two or more. You have the whole criminal justice system. Uh, so many other sure. levels are involved. And it's about $400 billion a year. Uh, and okay, if states are going to legalize this and do those things, they ought to be they dedicate that tax money to mental health right, care, right. and they're not doing that. And it needs to be done because it's massively expensive. Because well, one, yeah, I never thought of that. 
When yeah. he heads down the road towards psychosis, your chances of uh, being involved with the criminal justice system go up exponentially as well. And when it comes to oh, schizophrenia, yeah. uh, only about 40%, half of those cases will get treatment and only 10% get good treatment. So the point is all these things go on and on and on. When I, but you mentioned something really important there. You said people don't know. So if right, you... Right. So, Teens don't necessarily listen to my podcast, but a lot of adults do, and many of them will use medical marijuana, and many of them have kids. What do you want them to know that they're missing that they're not going to hear about the use of cannabis by people under age 25? People that give me kickback, it's pretty much the same. You know, it's 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 got to be obviously it's their kid, right? It's their it's their kid, it's their life, but that's why I think that it's so important for the schools to really get involved and to have things going on in schools because people are going to have their own biases. But when we have the facts, you know, it's easier to recognize and give that kids in a big mass, you know, in, in the schools, not that, you know, some of them aren't going to listen, but if basically what the overall picture is that when you're, when you're comparing you and your kids, it's like apples and oranges. When you're comparing your brains, it's just not the same. And maybe, For somebody who's 35 and is smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own house and they're not out on the street and they're, you know, they're responsible use, that might be okay for them, but it's not okay for anyone under 25. It's just, you're just, you're playing Russian roulette with your kids' um, state of health and well-being. Well said, well said. I I thank you so much for your time today and for our audience. It's Miriam Mandel, M-A-N-D-E-L. She's on LinkedIn. Uh, is where you'll find her. That's where I found her. And uh, exciting news and information you gave us today. I hope people pay attention. It's too easy to ignore things. In a world where yeah. so much is available, uh, there's a lot of misinformation about uh, cannabis and marijuana and what it does to the minds of, of our youth and lingering on into adults. And in my work, I say I work a lot with the veterans and first responders. And let's face it, people in the military, generally they're between ages 18 and 25. And uh, yep. and that's yeah. a, a tough time if they've been smoking before they get in or try and sneak it there while they're there. Other problems will, will occur. So for everyone out there, please be cautious and listen to the advice from Dr. Mendel. Thank you so much for being on my program today. I appreciate that. Oh, thanks, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And please sign up to get updates on my future podcasts and share them with your friends and family. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future podcasts or blogs, please send them to me through my website at drtimmurphy.com. That's D-R-T-I-M-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can find more information about trauma in my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD, available through my website or wherever books are sold. I really appreciate you listening to my podcast, but they do cost money to produce, so I'm asking for your help in a way that's going to help you too, through this really cool product. Now, have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then when you go home to use it, it's not very absorbent and it doesn't dry you? That's why my pillow has developed the My Pillow Towels. So they have an amazing offer of only $29.98 on a six-piece set of My Pillow Towels. So just go to mypillow.com and if you click on the radio podcast specials and enter promo code Dr. Tim. That's D-R-T-I-M. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Dr. Tim. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. I look forward to speaking with you next time.